All right, get your Bibles out. Hold them in front of you, your phones, iPads, iWatch, whatever you got, wherever your Bible is. Just hold it in front of you today. Let's pray. Lord, your word speaks to us. Lord, your word is life. It's, it's direction. Lord, you give us, Lord, insight. And God, today as we open up your word, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray it wouldn't be anything of me, but Lord, I pray it would come directly from the Spirit of God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we open up our hearts to hear from you today. We open our ears to hear. We open our eyes to see those things you want us to see. And we thank you, Lord, that would fall on good ground. Lord, that we would be soil ready to receive it with joy and that we would live it out. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for all you do for us. Lord, we continue to thank you for all the churches in this area that speak your word. We pray you bless them. Lord, we pray that where your word is taught, Lord, that you would be in their midst today and that people's lives would be changed all throughout this community. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. This is my favorite time of the year because we talk about the vision. If you're wondering what the vision is, it's right behind me. You can memorize it in the next 15 seconds. It's pretty easy to memorize. Let's say it with me. Embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. Now close your eyes. Say it again. Embrace, encourage, equip, and empower. See how easy that was for you to memorize? That's easy. But this is, the, this is what God has called us to do. I'll never forget waking up early in the morning and the Lord spoke to me about this is what I want you to do. This was before we had any direction on what we were supposed to do. We were just praying and waiting on the Lord as far as the direction for our life. We had left our jobs because he led us to do that, and we just prayed, Lord, what do you have for us? And I'll never forget when he gave me those words, and I thought, all right. And this has been our journey for the last seven years, almost, seven years in March. This has been our journey to embrace people, to encourage people, equip people, and empower people. And I didn't know then, but as I began to really go over and pray over the vision before we started the church, I realized that this is... It's our ultimate goal was to empower people to live in the power of God and to live out everything God's put in their heart. But you know where it starts? It starts if we can embrace them where they are, same way Jesus did us. He embraced us where we were, and then he encouraged us, and then he equips us with the, the, the tools and the word and the things that we need, and then he empowers us and sends us out. That's what, that's what, that's what we're about. If you're new, if you're visiting with us, this is it. There's nothing else. If, you, if it doesn't involve these words, we don't do it. I had someone one time when they left the church, they were like, hey, I got another E for you. And I thought, well, God did give me those four, so <laughs> I'm not taking it unless it's from him. It's a great idea, but that's not what God's called us to do. This is what God's called us to do. So this, this month, these next four weeks, we're going to talk about each one of these like we do every January. But this year, it's a little bit different. We're using the same passage, but it's different this year. Because this is what the Lord has been speaking to me about this year. We have to really connect with God. Because we can't embrace anyone until we allow God to embrace us. Until we understand the love of God, you can't truly love other people. You can in human kind of love, but not in God's love. See, human love, we don't even, it's hard to even explain what God's love is when we compare it to human love. Because human love, we'll say to somebody, you know, we'll say to our spouse, I love you, and then we say, I love pizza. And those are different. But it's the same word we're using. We just throw out love. You know, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. 
And I, w- I would see these teenagers who they meet someone first day of school. I love them. I'm like, you have no idea what love is. I, I love this. I love this. We just throw it out there. But we're talking about a love that is deep and a love that is agape love. It's unconditional love. It's, it's not the same the way we throw out the word love. And today we want to talk about how God embraces us and how God loves us. Because if you don't get that, you'll never live out all that God has for you. And there's people in this room that you still don't have that revelation of the love of God. And my prayer today is that you leave here feeling very loved and very valuable to the creator of this world, to God, the ultimate God. He loves you. Go to Luke chapter 15. Very familiar passage. It's the parable of the lost son. Jesus says in verse 11, he says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Here's the story. We're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money and wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer to be worthy worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love. If you have a few underlined in your Bible, about, I would encourage you to highlight that or underline it. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Now let's stop there for a minute. Here's the passage. The son goes up to his father and says, hey, I want my, my share of your estate now. Now, that, that, was, that was an insult in those days to do that because basically what the son is saying is, I want to go ahead like you're dead. Because I'm supposed to get it when you die, but I want it now because I want to go ahead and live my life. In other words, he's saying, you know, I want to go out from under your, you, and I want to go out here, and I want you to go ahead and give me what, what, what you're supposed to give me, usually after you die, but go ahead and do it. So this was, this was, culturally it was a slam. I'm sure it was difficult for his father to process that himself. I'm sure it was hurtful, but his father did. And he gave him a third of his estate because back then the, the youngest son got a third of it. The oldest son got two-thirds of it. So, so here's this son who gets a third of the estate. 
whether he sells it, gets money, has money, all the money that's involved in that, and he goes out wild living, just wild living, doing his own thing. And remember, this, this parable starts with the father who had two sons. Okay, so you, so you would think there's this healthy relationship. But this son wants to experience life different, away from his father. And he goes out and he lives this life and he does all this horrible stuff. And he messes his life up. And he spends all of his money. And he ends up, especially for him, you know, with culture, the Jewish culture, he ends up in with these pigs, unclean animals, and that's where he's at now. He's got, he's got nothing. Even what the pigs are eating is starting to look good. You have to be pretty messed up for all of a sudden to see this stuff you feed the pigs and you're thinking, man, that looks good. You've missed out on a lot if, if what pigs eat looks good. I mean, to me, I'd be like, the pig looks good. Right? Cook the pig. But don't go after the pig's food. Like, that's nasty. Get some bacon and sausage. Right? I don't, that's my version of that. But, but, but here's what happens is he's in this situation, and, and he, he totally, he doesn't recognize, here he is, he's thinking somehow that life is better away. And he spends everything, all of his time and his energy and his money and finds himself in the worst possible situation he could be in. So in verse 17 it says this, he finally, he finally came to his senses. He finally realized, I made a big mistake. And he begins to process, what can I do? And he says, he says, you know what? The servants at our house have it better than I do. If I could just go back, I've already ruined the relationship. See, that's his thinking. I've ruined the relationship. So I'm going to go back as a servant. So I won't, I won't be the same relationship I was, but at least, I'll, at least I can work and have provision. So he goes back. He starts to head home. And this is where we see right here in this story, and we're talking about embracing. In this story, here's what you're going to find. You're, you're finding someone who needs to be embraced in this younger son. And then you're finding someone who embraces, and that's the father. And we'll get to the older son in a minute because he was the one who struggled to embrace. You're going to find yourself in one of those places you're in one of those places today. You're either here and you're struggling and you need to be embraced. Or you're here and, 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 man, and you're just allowing the Lord to use you to help embrace those who just need to be embraced today. But then there's some of you here today and you have a hard time embracing people if they don't measure up to the standards you think. And wherever you're at today, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Because remember I told you this year we're getting in your business. God's getting in our business, I should say. It's not like we are getting your, God's getting in our business to say, look, let's get serious about this walk with God. So, so here's the father who, when the son begins to come home, 
And here's what it says. After it says he finally came to his senses, he's going to go home and think he's going to be a servant. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now let's look in the natural first. Earthly father. Son takes his inheritance, basically says, you're dead to me. I want, I want the money now. I want all that you worked hard for. I want it now. And goes and just blows it. And then comes back. And I could see in my mind the, the son coming back with his head down, thinking I'm not even worthy to be a son. Hopefully I can be a servant. And he comes down with his head down, and the father sees him. And the father takes off running to him. I don't know what the son thought, like, oh, he is mad. <laughs> he is coming to get me. But here's what it says about what the father did. It says the father, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming, filled with love. Filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. Think about where this son just came from. Pigs. Pig pen. Probably filthy, nasty, smelly. And the father runs to him. The father embraced, the father doesn't even find out, okay, I hope you're here to say you're sorry. He didn't even give him a chance to say anything. He just ran to him because even when he saw him, even when he saw him in his filth and his junk and his stench, he said, that's my son and I love him. You know, there's some of us here, look, you've missed it. You've messed up. You've struggled. Your past, you're, you're, you're ashamed of your past. And you, have a, you have this thing in your mind that thinks it's that God, how can God love you? And I'm telling you, this is, the, this is the example of what the Heavenly Father is like. That He loved you. The Bible says, we're going to get to these scriptures in a minute, but the Bible talks about how much He loves you. Romans 5, 8 says, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. God sent Jesus before you ever decided to serve Him, before you ever gave your life to Him. He already decided to take care of your stuff because of His love for you. And the Son Experienced this love of the Father he never experienced before. And then here's something I thought was very uh, interesting. Is that his son said to him, now remember up above, let's go back to verse 18. This is where the, the son, when he's still with the pigs, he said this. He said, I will go home to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer, to be wor I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So that was what he was going to say. So he gets down here, and the father kisses him and embraces him. And the son says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And then the father just jumps right in and says, quick, he tells the, he doesn't even really pay attention to that. He didn't even respond to that. He didn't be like, oh, oh, well, you know what? He didn't even do it. He just said, listen, he told the servants, get, kill the fatted calf. Get, I want you to get a robe. I want you to get some sandals. I want you to get a ring. I want you to come. Listen, we are going to celebrate. My son is here. My son is home. He's made the decision to come back. 
and we're celebrating. So here's what I'm saying. He was his son when he, when he missed it. He was his son at the beginning. He struggled. He made mistakes. He did all that. But there was something about the Father's love that looks beyond our performance. There's something about God that looks beyond your performance. Now listen, should, should things change in your life? Yes. Romans 6 says you can't use grace as a reason to sin. You can't do that. But if God is part of your life and there's, as you're on this journey, you're going to miss it. You're going to fail. You're going to struggle. You're going to have your moments. And in those moments, God loves you. In those moments, God loves you. God loves you, like I said, even before you give your life to him, he loved you. His love is consistent. But this younger son, he knew he, knew he went away from it. And he did not expect to receive this love from his father. But he did, and it changed him. It changed They began to celebrate. The father greeted him and hugged him and, and told him, you know, we're going to have this party. So now let's go to verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. Your father has killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. So there's this celebration happening. Okay, because the father is excited. The father is, loves his son. The father is, is giving and showing love and celebration for a son who took his money, who went and spent it on wild living, who totally disrespected and devalued his father. And yet the father's love for him wasn't tainted at all. That's, I'm telling you, we don't understand that. We don't understand it. How? How much does God really love us? You know, before I even continue, let's look at these scriptures of how much God loves us. I'm going to show you. I have them right up here. Look at John 3.16. Very familiar. Very familiar. How many of you know John 3.16? This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. One and only, and he gave it. He gave him to die so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's love. That is, that is, that's the love of God that we sometimes, we talk about, we quote the scripture about, but we don't get it. If you got it, you would carry yourself different. You can tell people who don't feel any value or love how they carry themselves. You have to know how much God loves you. Let's keep looking at these verses. Romans 5, 8. I said this earlier, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, it wasn't about, okay, you're measuring up, now I'll, I'll help you. He gave his son before we ever did anything. That's what love is. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say such wonderful things about these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen or as his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at the right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or if we're persecuted or hungry, destitute, in danger, threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. 
No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing, say nothing. Remember this deep understanding. Remember how I gave you this great definition of what nothing means? No thing. That's it. No thing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above and earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to talk about God's love? It's the one you can't get away from it. Nothing, not one thing can separate you from God's love for you. Not at all. Let's go to the next one. Look at 1 John 3, verse 1. See how much our Father loves us? He calls us his children, and that's what we are. How many of you messed up this week? Some way or another, you messed up. If your hand's not up, go ahead and raise it now because you just lied. All right? We all have. But you know what? That's still true. God still says we're his children because that's what we are. That's what we are. His love for us is not based on us getting everything right all the time. He's going to help us. His word's going to help us to get righter and righter in the way we live, do things better and better. But he loves us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Look at the next one, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from where? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? See, if you don't know, if you don't know God's love, listen, you're missing who he is. That's who he is, love. That's who he is. God is love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Listen to this. All right? I want everybody to get this. Listen to this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures now. This is real love. Not that we love God. You know what people want to talk about the most? If you're looking at things from a self-righteous perspective, in other words, yes, look what I do. Look how good I am. That's not real love. Real love isn't that you love God. Real love is that he loved us. That's the greatest love. How can you not? See, our love is a responsive love. It's easy to love people that love you. Right? If someone's nice to you, oh, I'd be nice to them. But love that person that's not nice to you. That's real love. Because God loved us when we, weren't, when we weren't even reciprocating that love. That's what real love is. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of love that we're talking about today. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Go to, uh, 1 John, I mean, go to John 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. How are we supposed to love each other? Just as I have loved you. This is why I'm saying right now, 
We cannot embrace people and love people like that unless we know how he loves us. You can't. He says, love each other the way that I've loved you is how you should love each other. So you look at how God loves us. You look at this story that even people that were messed up and, and had a stench and smelled and did things wrong, and the Father was right there and loved them, right there in the midst of it. God loved them. That's how we should be. Now go to verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. This is why it's so important that we understand God's love for us because then we can extend it. Because you know what? People aren't going to know. It doesn't say they'll know you're my disciples by all your miracles, by all your church attendance records, by all your knowledge of the scripture. Listen, they'll know by your love. And this love that it's talking about is the love the way God loves you. It's a deeper love. So we need to love people and embrace people where they are. I'm just going to tell you. If God's called us to embrace people, then here's, if we do what God has asked us to do and, and receive God's love so we can extend that to others, then every hurting, troubling person in this community that is searching, God can lead them here. To say, you know what, I know that they'll be received and embraced there. You know why the younger brother or the older brother struggled? Because you know what? He was more lost than the younger brother, in my opinion. Let's, read, let's finish reading about the, the older brother. They found out there was a party. The brother's back. Killing a fatted calf. Verse 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Listen, remember when the father ran out to the younger son? Now the father leaves the party and goes to the older son. The father again is pursuing both of them. The father is pursuing both sons. And he goes to this son. He comes out. And he begged him. Came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, this is what the older brother says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours, see, he's so angry. He's not even saying my brother. He's saying this son of yours. In other words, I'm not even going to look at him as relative of mine. This son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. And here's what his father said to him. Look, dear son. I mean, I'm telling you, you can see, when I, when I read this with the love of God in mind and the love of the Father, I started saying, like, I'd be like, hey, hold up, bud. Hold up, buddy. Like, you know, you'd want to address that. Oh, don't come challenging me. But he's like, look, dear son. I mean, I could just hear this gentleness in his voice. And he says, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. It's always been like that. We had to celebrate this day because your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and he's now found. And here's where this gets a little bit different from any way we've ever talked about it before. The older brother 
had this self-righteous works thing that he, he never knew his father's love. He didn't have that great relationship. You know how he talked about what he did for his father? I slaved for you. In other words, I was, it, it was a burden for me. I tried to do everything you wanted me to do, yet he didn't even recognize all that he had as a son. He looked at it as tasks, as, as works, and that's all he was focusing on. So when you get there, the reason he couldn't embrace is because he's looking at only outward stuff. Do you know the Bible says when it talks about how difficult it is for certain people to enter heaven? People that have it all, people that think they got everything right, religious people. Because they're looking on an external thing, external value. Listen, there are people in church that have been in church every day that don't know God. There are people that know scripture. Man, they'll tear you up at Bible trivia. But they don't know God. Matthew 7, 21, I think, uh, yeah, I think we have it, yes. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. It's not about all that you do. It's about knowing God. It's about knowing that relationship with your father. And this son, he was there. He was around him. He was connected to him. He did everything he was supposed to do. Yet he still didn't have that connection and realize all that he had as a son. He didn't get it. That's why he's angry. He's got all this anger. He's got all this resentment. Because he's looking at his outward works. And comparing it to someone else. The reason why we struggle embracing people that are different than us is because we don't realize what God has done for us and how God has forgiven us. And we compare our life to theirs. In Luke 15, verse 1, the beginning of this chapter, I think I have it in there. Luke 15, 1 through 3, I think it's at the top. But I'll read it for you. Here's what it says. Tax collectors and other notorious Sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Jesus was around these people. Go to verse 2. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Like, I cannot believe you eating with sinful people. That's what the Pharisees are getting all upset because Jesus, Jesus didn't have a problem being around those kind of people. And then verse 3. Well, we won't even read verse 3. I'll say it right here. So Jesus told them, and that's when he goes into the whole story about the lost son, or the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. But in these first two verses, it talks about the fact that people are having a hard time because Jesus is around these sinners. Yet here, this older brother, he can't even celebrate his son, his brother coming home because he's got this comparison thing. Listen, Jesus didn't do that. 
if Jesus, if he compared himself to anybody, nobody was worthy because he was perfect. If people walk in this door and they're different than you, we got to embrace them. We can't say, but their lifestyle doesn't measure up. Because until we can love them and embrace them, we'll never be able to encourage them for any change. They'll never hear us give them anything to go on to help change their life. Some of those people that came to hear Jesus teach, guess what? He loved them. But guess what? There was a time later where, guess what, things changed. And their life got changed. The older brother in this, I, I, I just saw more clearly how that's, the, that's, that's a lot of church people. That we have all this external, but I do this and I do this and I do this. But we don't even recognize what we have as children of God. We don't even understand how much God loves us. We just miss it. That's why it's so amazing to me that the service goes the way it does. Patty comes up and shares about the love of God, and Mitch is singing about the love of God. And, and it's all this stuff about the love of God because if we don't get that, everything else doesn't matter. You are loved by God. And you can never fulfill this vision until you get that. And this year, we're talking about God embracing you and God encouraging you and me and God equipping you and me and God empowering you and me. And when we get that, when we understand God has embraced us, he loves us, he encourages us, the Holy Spirit is our encourager, parakaleos, means to come alongside. That's what encourage means, to come alongside. So that, that connection there, that's how God encourages us. We'll talk about that next week. But then he equips us. He equips us with the word. He empowers us. Then we can begin to embrace others. Then we can begin to encourage people in a way that it's real and it's genuine. And it's not just, okay, I have to embrace people, so I have to shake your hand while we're here. Hey, how you doing? That's what we do at Thrive. No, it should naturally flow out of you because you recognize God loves me so much and that love just flows out of me. I don't mean this bad. We should all be excited that we love God. But we should be way, way more excited about the fact that God loves us. Way more. If we compare ourselves to others, based on external things. Because you can look at the outward, but God doesn't. In 1 Samuel it says, man looks out the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And there can be vessels that look like they're clean, but they're unclean inside. And there can be all this stuff that this elder brother looked like he had it all together, but he had no idea of, the, of what he had as a child of his father. And he never experienced it. Because all about, oh, this, he had to slave for all this stuff. And he missed it. He missed it. Do you know it never says, I don't know if he ever even went in. But everybody's celebrating. And he won't go. He's refusing to go be a part. He's refusing to embrace. And that connection is because he never understood the connection with him and his father.
So he made it about outward. And that's not what it's about. It's it's, it's deeper. Listen, people are going to come in here that they're lost. And they're in sin. And it's not right. But we are not here to judge and criticize people. We are here to lift people up. We are here to, ex- to receive the love of God and extend the love of God. We are not those that are here to, to, to disrespect people. And I'm talking people in authority over us. I'm talking about government, president, police officers, bosses, friends, family members, We show the love of God the same way that God shows love to us, unconditionally. Unconditionally. Look at this last passage in John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. He was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. In, this, in, in society at that point, in the customs there, she was to be killed. That's really what could have happened. Stoner, it's over. As he was speaking, they, a teacher, they said, Jesus, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. So what do you say? They're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was the only one left standing in the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did even, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus, who was perfect, said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Paul, will you come up here for a minute? Matt? Gary? Brandon, y'all four come up here. I was trying to pick people that I know so no one gets all, like, worked up. Come on up here. I want you to grab one of those and just space yourself out across the. All right. Now, come forward a little bit. All right. Now, Now, this is what. The woman caught in the act of adultery. This is what she saw. Have a mean look on your face. All right? Don't be all smiling about it. But you know what? Here's the thing. This is what she saw. She saw people who thought, you know what? What you've done, we will not tolerate. But Jesus didn't see that. Jesus didn't respond that way. Jesus actually said, okay, but... Who's never messed up? Jesus hadn't messed up. You know, Jesus could have been like, 
All right, y'all sit down. I got this one because <laughs> I'm the only perfect one. But he didn't do that. Jesus demonstrated a love that is deeper than anything in the natural that, that humans would, would demonstrate. And he looked beyond the action. And he saw something deeper. And the condemnation and all that stuff, he said, look, I'm, I'm not here to condemn you. I want you to be free. You know what set her free? It wasn't a threat. You know what set her free? It wasn't just a small little hit. It's going to get harder if you do it again. You know what set her free? Love. Love set her free. You know what's sad to me? Is if we don't know the love of God, this is what we look like as a church. That's sad. That people are afraid to walk in the doors of the church where they should be loved and safe because they see this. They see, well, you're not like me. You don't dress like me. You don't act like me. You don't have the same thoughts I have. You don't have the same desires I have. You don't do the things I do. And the reason we're like that is because we don't know the love of God. Because you'll never pick up a rock to pelt somebody when you know God dropped his. He never pelted you. Matter of fact, God took your rock. Jesus got hit. Jesus got whipped. Jesus got beat. He got nailed to a cross. Excruciating pain. And it was your sin that he was paying for. And we want to be so quick to throw a rock and not embrace somebody because they're different. Listen, we talk about that scripture with tax collectors and notorious sinners. Listen, what, what if we read it this way and Jesus sat with LGBT and homosexuals and drug dealers and, 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 and thieves? Jesus sat with them and he preached to them. Because that's what it was like for those days. It wasn't like just, you know, well, yeah, they, had some, they, were, they lied sometimes. No, we're talking about some, some really hardcore, messed up, sinning people. And we want to be so quick to judge. But I'm going to tell you something. The reason the world is where they're at is because they keep looking for something they're supposed to get from us. And they're not getting it. And it's frustrating they're falling in the traps of all this sin because they're looking for something to fulfill something. And here's the reality. We got it. We have what is fulfilling. It's God who loves them right where they are with all of their stuff. We have that God. But until we put our rocks down and learn to love people the way God loves us, let me say that different. Until we allow God's love to become real to us, and then we set our rocks down and allow that love that we now are aware of to flow out of us, we're never going to see change in this. It doesn't surprise me that the world is running where they're running. Because the church isn't a safe place to run. Where else are they going to run? God, forgive us. We have to have a revelation of the love of God. 
And if you're, a, if you're a criticizer and a rock thrower, I just want to give you a revelation. You don't know the love of God. If you have a problem with people that are different, you don't know the love of God. If you see someone with different color hair and you don't like it, you don't know the love of God. If you're always looking at someone else, you're comparing your, your life to theirs, you don't know the love of God. It doesn't mean we condone it. It doesn't mean that, that it's right. But until we allow God to, God's love, listen, the Bible says his kindness, God's kindness and love leads us to what? Repentance. If you want people to change, love them. Because that's what draws people. Not, you're going to hell. That's not love. So you scare them. And they come to find fire insurance. They have no relationship with Jesus. We gotta, we gotta get the love of God. We have to begin to understand it. And here's how you're gonna understand it. All right, guys, you can put your rocks down. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were still up there. <laughs> here's how we do it. We'll close with this. There's a scripture. My wife says this. This has been her scripture for a long time. And it's simply this Be still and know. That I am God. Do you know why we don't always recognize God's love for us? It's because we don't ever just stop and be still to know God. We try to get God in our categories. Like, God, just come with us. And, you know, I do that. There's times where I do it with my kids. I do it with, at the church where I, I, I'm, I have something I'm doing, and someone's like, hey, all right, all right, follow me. What, 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 follow me. In other words, I'm going to keep doing stuff, and I'm going to hear some of what you say, but I'm also focused on something else, and there comes a time where you got to just stop. you got to stop. If you don't know the love of God, just stop. Be still. Quiet things down in your life. It'll be okay. Take a few minutes and set your phone in another room. It's okay. And realize how much God loves you. Because when you get that, you'll be able to embrace. You will be able to embrace. The father embraced both of his sons. But the older brother struggled because it was all about what he thought he was doing on the outside. But it wasn't out of relationship. It was out of obligation. He just compared himself. And he, all of his thoughts and processes, it was all off. And here he is around his father all the time, in the home all the time, and never knew, never knew what he had. And it robbed him of embracing his own brother. It's sad. Lord, help us. To know the love of God in a way that we celebrate when people come towards you. That we love people even on their journey to find you. Because it just flows out of us. The last scripture, I mean, I said it in there. It's John 13, 35. Remember, they'll know you're my disciples for your love for one another. But always put 34 in there with it.
You got to love the way God's loved us.